Raiders, start your engines! Welcome to the one place everybody wants to be. Victory Lane, your source for news, analysis, discussion, interviews, and more from the world of NASCAR. Here's your host, Davey Siegel. Welcome back, party people, to the place everybody wants to be. You know it, you love it. It, of course, is Victory Lane. And today is episode 185. We got a big show on tap for you today, as you can see from the episode description. Todd Gillen is back on with us. Had him as a very early guest of Victory Lane, but figured it was a good time to catch up with Toddley and uh, see how he's doing this season in the NASCAR Cup Series. And I know the answer, he's doing exceptionally well. Uh, he talks with Mojo Nixon every single Monday night on Manifold Destiny on Sirius XM, but I haven't caught up with him in an interview phase uh, for a while. So good to chat with him. We got Darlington to chat about. We also have North Wilkesboro Speedway on the docket this weekend for the All-Star Race. Yes, people, it is actually happening. People say never say never. Well, I said never, and uh, I would probably say 95% of the NASCAR world also said never, but this is why you never do say never. So we're going to preview that a little bit. And before we do any of that, we got to pay homage to the number 85 for this weekend's Wayback segment. Papa Siegel, what have you cooked up for us? Thank you, Duve, and welcome everyone to episode 185 in the magical month of May. Last time through the numbers, we highlighted Emmanuel Zervakis, who was known as the Golden Greek. Fitting, as I'm recording today's segment from Greece, where Mama Siegel and I are enjoying some cruising R&R. When my calendar turns from April to May, my mind goes to one place, Indianapolis. So today, we detour away from NASCAR and Car 85, and instead focus our Wayback Lens on an Indy 500 racing great who happens to be 85 years old. Johnny Rutherford was known as Lone Star JR, but he actually was born in Coffeyville, Kansas, before moving to Texas. He was a three-time winner of the great race and tallied 27 IndyCar wins overall, including the series championship in 1980. Rutherford was a multi-series threat and he also ran 35 NASCAR Cup Series races between 1963 and 1988. His first NASCAR race was an auspicious start. Driving for Smokey Eunuch, Rutherford won his qualifying race for the 1963 Daytona 500, back when it was a points-paying race. He also ran in the International Race of Champions five times. Still, Lone Star JR is most often associated with Indy, where he was inducted in 1987 into the Speedway's Hall of Fame. Ah, yes, those Speedway traditions. Gasoline Alley, even though the cars don't run on gas anymore. Carb Day, though the cars haven't had carburetors in them for years. That two-weekend qualifying format. Oh, yeah, they don't do that anymore either. Well, the race is still 500 miles and the cars go really fast, right? I'll be watching on Memorial Day weekend, weather permitting. 
How about you, Duve? Back to you, or as they say here in Athens, piso cesas. Piso de what? I, I don't know. I assume that means uh, back to you in Greek, yeah? That is commitment to the content, people. Okay? Next time that I'm thinking, oh, I'll skip an episode this week, or ah, oh, whatever, I, I maybe I should work out, but ah, I'll skip it, whatever. My dad just recorded the Wayback segment from Greece. He was saying hi to Giannis Antetokounmpo and Costa Kufis, and he recorded the Wayback segment for this measly podcast that probably six people are listening to. So that is commitment to the bit. That is commitment to the game. And that is commitment to the show. Thank you for that, Dad. Uh, Lone Star JR, I've heard a lot about him. I do know, or did know before listening to that, that he had a cup of coffee in NASCAR, but IndyCar is kind of where he made his money, literally and figuratively, and was his bread and butter. But good to get some more background on the man they call Lone Star JR. And again, what are you doing recording the Wayback segment in Greece? Go enjoy your vacation. All right, anyways, let's start off this episode, as we always do, with a good old-fashioned... And throw it straight over to my interview with Todd Gilliland, driver of the 38 Ford for Front Row Motorsports. Now, he's not running full-time this year. He found out that news earlier in the season. We chat a little bit about that, not so much how he got the news, how devastating it is, all that good stuff, but how he kind of dealt with the aftermath of it, given that one of his friends who was in his wedding, Zane Smith, uh, was announced to be replacing him for those handful of races. So we'll get into that. Todd, in my opinion, has been out kicking his coverage and outperforming this season. He's got three top tens already. That's a new career high. And he's coming off of an 11th place finish at Darlington Raceway. So we chat a little bit about that and how his new crew chief, Ryan Bergenti, is kind of rallying the troops figuratively and literally and being a really, really vocal and present leader over at Front Row Motorsports. Plus, we got into some fun stuff about him riding horses, golf, cutting his own hair. Yes, really. Being a married man, his new wife Marissa and him is celebrated in the Bahamas this offseason. We chat a little bit about that. And, of course, what he expects and what his expectations are for the remainder of the season now that we are halfway through the Cup Series regular season. All right. I will shut up, get out the way, and let you listen to my chat with Todd Gilliland of Front Row Motorsports. Pleasure to welcome on to the show today, the birthday boy himself. It's not today, but it was a couple days ago. Repeat guest on Victory Lane, OG homie, Todd Lee Gilliland. How are we doing, my friend, in the Michael McDowell de facto office of Front Row Motorsports today? <laughs> yeah, it's uh, it's going good. Um, you know, just working on some, some last-minute stuff for North Wilkesboro, um, so I kind of uh, hanging out at the shop today and hopefully get uh, everything in line for uh for this weekend well we'll chat about north wilkesboro in a bit for sure but we're still kind of uh recovering and reminiscing at darlington obviously great run for you guys in the 38 team come home 11th with some scratches on the car had some character in that run for you avoided some wrecks we're in some wrecks but at the end of the day you came home 11th and i just kind of feel like looking from the outside todd it's kind of a microcosm of your guys' season. You just are quiet. You're staying out of the way. And when other people get involved in messes, you're there to capitalize and another top 15 for you guys. Yeah, I think, um, yeah, like you said, this weekend is kind of what we're all about, right? It, um, no, I think that was definitely the best we've unloaded. We're you know, actually fourth in our group, uh, group B of practice. 
Uh, qualifying didn't go as planned. That's still something we're working on pretty heavily. But, um, but yeah, I think for the race, we started off fairly good. We were able to move forward, had really good pit stops. Uh, and then once we got damaged, that's, you know, the best our team has executed of getting the damage fixed, um, you know, staying calm, having a good plan and kind of executing the plan. So, um, yeah, overall, I was very, very proud of, uh, of what we did, not only to get the finish, but just the way everything went when we have had damage. Um, Ryan did a really good job making the plan. Lucas, my car chief, did a good job uh, carrying out that plan, like I said. So, uh, yeah, I think just overall really proud. I think that really, uh, really showed a lot of, uh, of how we're not, uh, not giving up, not uh, rolling over this year. Darlington is just such a hard place. Like, we hear it from everybody, no matter what car you drive, what team you're with, right? What makes that racetrack so difficult for you? I guess this is what your third time running it in the cup car, and I'm sure it probably never gets easier. Yeah, it uh, it definitely is pretty tough. It, um, I think it's just one of those places where you're always on the edge of the tire and um, always on the edge of the grip, right? And you're a couple feet, probably less than a foot from the wall from the majority of the lap. So um, all those things just make it a tough, uh, tough go of it. Like into turn one, you're driving as hard as you can in there and and you're kind of driving straight up towards the wall uh, and that's the only thing holding you back in so you know when you just miscalculate the grip just a little bit of what you think it's going to be the wall's right there to reach out and grab you so um yeah I, I definitely hit the wall a couple times by myself this weekend also and um got my own darlington stripes along the way but uh, it's definitely another place though that you know the pavement's really worn out and i think a lot of people enjoy at least i had a lot of fun um you know all the times i ran the cup car there you look pretty beat after the race. I'm not going to lie. I think I don't know if it was you or the team that tweeted out a picture. You were just catching your breath, getting some ice, getting some water. Old lady, you can dance with her, but she's going to wear you out at the end of the day. <laughs> yeah, that's for sure. I was definitely a little bit worn out, but um, no, it's tough. I feel like always the first couple hot races are, are the ones that really get you. And then you get sure. just kind of used to it and, and get going throughout the summer. So, uh, but yeah, a place, like, um, place like Darlington, you're just – going the whole time right you're not one lap where you're just like all right this is not too bad i'm not by myself you're always driving it you know 110 percent. and then with those restarts at the end you know just under caution things are just heating up inside and um you just have to be be mentally uh mentally there but i think that's the other thing too to talk about at darlington is just how mentally taxing it is uh even as much as uh, as basically sometimes yeah, really cool throwback too. Throwing back to Elton Sawyer in the Barbasol car. And I know that you were able to check in with him on the grid and he was able to see it with his own eyes, touch it, feel it, see it up close. What was his reaction to seeing his old paint scheme out on track? I think that is probably my favorite part of the throwback weekends um, is seeing, you know, the guys that, the older guys that used to run these paint schemes. It's like, it just brings such a big smile to their face. Um, you know, to be recognized like that, but also just, I'm sure it brings back a lot of good, good, fun memories, right. From, from way back in the day. Um, and for me, I don't really know Elton, you know, personally a whole lot, but it's been really cool to get to know more and more of the, the last couple of years in the cup series. Um, and he's, uh, he's one of the head guys now. So, uh, that was really cool for him to take the time and, and go out there and take a picture with us. So Todd, I kind of, uh, referred to it earlier, but you, you've had an incredible season so far. I would say punching above your weight over there at Front Row Motorsports. Only 13 races in, but you've already got a career high in top 10 finishes. You had two last year. You've already got three in 13 races. I know last year you were a rookie. It was your first full-time year, 
first year with the next-gen car. There's a lot of firsts and a lot of newness associated with last year. What is the difference this year that we're seeing with you, the 38 team, and your guys' performance? Is it kind of a bunch of different things? Can you put your finger on one? Yeah, I think I think that's the thing that we've said a lot over this um, you know, beginning of the season. It's, it's really not just one thing. It's um, I think from last year, we really needed to improve in every area. Um, you know, myself, you know, probably the biggest one, right? Just having no experience jumping straight from trucks to the, the cup car. Um, I feel like I'm more prepared going to the racetrack. I think the team having a bigger notebook of, of where we need to start the setup, kind of what the important heavy hitters are. Like this time last year, we were still figuring out a lot of stuff with the car, like even with adjustments make during a pit stop where I feel like, you know, nowadays we have that, we have a little bit better idea of at least what stuff is going to do when we do it. So I think all that stuff's good. I think Ryan's done a really good job, um, you know, telling all of our guys, you know, what are you doing today to be better than you were yesterday? Um, we're not giving up. Just just all that stuff, right? So I think everyone's really elevated their game. And, and for me, it's been really cool to see, um, you know, all of that equate to our cars just being faster. I, I feel like, honestly, they're just faster every single week. Uh, we can unload and, and be right where we need to be uh, instead of just, you know, scratching and clawing to be, um, you know, still towards the back. So, um, for me, that that's been the coolest part is just seeing everybody step up on their own and, uh, really bring their A game every week. It seems like you're just more comfortable overall. And I mean, that would make sense. Obviously last year, you're going to some of these tracks for the first time in a cup car later in the year, you're going for the second time. And now this year you're going back for a third time or maybe even a fourth time. So even though you've been around the game a time or two, right? Still that seat time is valuable. And the more and more you get it, the more comfortable you feel and that way you can put yourself in a position to capitalize when you have the speed or even on the days to your point when you don't have the speed for a top 15 finish if you just stay clean and green you may end up there at the end of the day and that's where we've kind of seen you these last few races yeah exactly i think um yeah there's there's multiple ways to to lose a race uh where winning is is you know quite a bit harder so um, yeah, I think for us, just, you know, capitalizing, getting points when we can. I think for my side of it, the points uh, finish, you know, represents a lot of, of how someone's season is going and has gone. Everyone has ups and downs, right? But maximizing every single day is, is what we're, we're all about this year. I mean, the, the good runs, too, have come at all these different tracks. Super Speedways, Atlanta and Talladega. Short track, Richmond. Dirt, for goodness sake uh darlington you were one spot away from a top 10 so the diversity of these tracks i'm sure that probably has to give you an enormous amount of pride and ryan and everybody on the team as well that you're not just doing it on super speedways where there's the luck factor involved right i mean you're doing it at all these different disciplines when it's not just based on luck it's speed too yeah absolutely i think i think that's been the coolest part for me um I don't know why it, it, it always seems like we've done good at, you know, the different type of racetracks, the road courses, dirt for the first time uh, in the truck. I think we finished fourth there. And um, yeah, I don't know. I, I think, like you said, for me, that's always just a fun, interesting change up of, of what we normally do. Um, it would get boring if we went to mile and a half every week, probably the same with everything, right? Dirt, short tracks, if we did every single week. So um, I love the diversity of our schedule and it's worked out good for us. Like you said, um, you know, me growing up on short tracks, though, I feel like that's where probably our best chances are um, of running really well. I think we saw that a lot at um, Martinsville, even though we didn't get to finish there, but more so than than even. So I think that's probably our, our strongest run this year. But 
me, seeing our growth model maps has been the most important thing. Um, you know, this is where, you know, really, I guess, kind of the bigger teams can separate themselves, just, you know, downforce, horsepower equals speed, right, at a bigger racetrack like that. So um, I think in all those areas, we're still really getting better and better. I think our cars have, um, you know, more potential grip than, than they have in the past. Uh, and all that stuff is, is really cool to, to see on the mile and a half. So we've been talking about these great results, right? Unfortunately, you got the news preseason. That was kind of a blind side to you. You know, you said that a, a bit earlier in the season that you were unfortunately not going to be able to run the full season. I'm not going to have you rehash all the emotions and when you found out and all that, all that stuff. But you and Zane Smith, who's the one that is in the 38 car when you're not in it, you guys are friends. And I, I imagine that that had to be weird, awkward for both of you, right? Like, how did you and how did Zane navigate that? Because when personal life crosses into professional life, it can get weird and awkward, but clearly you guys still are, are working together towards a common goal of making Front Row Motorsports the best team that it can be, and you guys are both thriving doing so. So just how did you guys navigate, and, and are you still, I guess, navigating those, I guess, awkward waters? Yeah, I, I think everything you just said is true, right? It is a tough situation for, I guess, probably everybody involved at, at some level. Um, and I think we're all still, you know, constantly trying to navigate it as it's still going on, right? Uh, my next Rick Ware race is coming up at, at the Coke 600 just next week. So um, just it's interesting for me trying to, to balance it all, just getting my seat over to the right place for the right race, um, <clears throat> all that stuff. So um, I think from my side of it, though, front row has been been really helpful about, um, you know, make sure I have everything I need for those races. Um, but, yeah, I, I think as far as me and Zane, like you said, it's it's all about, you know, making this team the best we can. And, and it's in our best interest for our, our personal lives, too. Right. It's, uh, doing the best we can for ourselves. Um, hopefully, you know, both have, have long careers ahead of us. Was he in your wedding, too? Yeah, he was. It doesn't uh, <laughs> Right, yeah. That's why I'm just thinking, like, you know, there, it's one thing for you and Harrison to be Ford teammates and racing for different teams. You guys may run into each other on the track. It's another thing to be with the same team and competing against each other for the ride, essentially, even though you didn't really know. And then, oh, by the way, yeah, come come help me get married. It's just a weird vibe, but, like, you guys are adults. <laughs> you're professionals. You're, you're rolling with it. So I'm glad to hear that that's all good. Um. One more thing on that, you know, entire scenario, whatever. I'm sure that you were pissed when you found out, right? As a professional athlete, what do you do to put that aside, get over it, and move forward? Because I'm sure that it's not easy, but you clearly are really running with it and, and having results to show for it. Yeah, I think, you know, for me, the biggest thing, um, I think in racing in general, right, in sports in general life, is, you know, you're going to have things that, that aren't, favorable for you happen right it um that's just life and you can't dwell on it a whole lot or it's just going to drag you down so um pretty much as soon as i i figured out what the plan was is i felt really confident as soon as i heard that ryan was gonna um be my crew chief i thought that was a, a really good move for the whole team uh and i really felt like we could do great things i didn't um i honestly had confidence right away um and i knew it's it's still an important year but honestly every single race i i try and do my best, right? Every, every lap, uh, driving my hardest. And, um, I think that's one thing that just doesn't change, right? That's, that's the simple part is hopping in and driving and doing, doing all you can. You're going to have mistakes along the way. Um, but you know, for me that that's the fun part 
working with the team guys. I love the the camaraderie of it all. And um, and yeah, it's definitely definitely not the easiest, but you got to put that kind of stuff behind you quick. So Harrison and and Zane are not the only guys that run in the Cup Series on a partial schedule or a full time schedule that you are friends with. Um, you've had similar instances in the Chuck Series with. You know, I'm just naming random ones, Christian Eckes, Riley Herps. I mean, those guys come to mind, Noah. Like, you you grew up with these guys. You grew up racing with these guys. You were genuinely friends off track with these guys. In general, I mean, how, how do you navigate all those different things knowing that the personal and professional lines will and do cross sometimes? And I'm sure that they know it as well. But still, g- given how young you are and how much experience all of you guys have, it's not an easy spot to be in. So, how do you go about just keeping that dialogue open? Yeah, it, um, I think for me personally, it's it's more about um, you know kind of separating the two. For me, I don't really have any harsh feelings, right? If someone does something on the racetrack to better themselves, like I mean, that's what we're all out there to do, right? Like, is we're racing for our own teams. I think it's easy to be friends because we have the same schedule. People don't really, you know. I guess understand it a lot of times like we're busy a lot of a lot of the the weekends of the year um and then traveling right we're a lot of places where we don't know anybody else we don't know even what's around right so um i think that's why it's easy to be friends with people you're racing against but at the same time like you said you're you're competing against each other for your own team at times right your job at uh at other times just to to make put food on the table right so that's um definitely an interesting balance but for me personally i like i said I always just try and separate the two as much as possible but definitely there's other people out there that you know take it to heart even though i think sometimes it, it definitely shouldn't be so harrison is a khi management client riley is a khi management client you now i believe are also in the khi management fold uh what was the decision making process with you your team your family all that stuff to to go into that side of things and and join over at khi a company that's also really growing and doing great things yeah i think i think like you said it was is on the family side a lot um you know my dad was always just the guy kind of you know talking to the people um kind of making deals happen right but um eventually there's there's a time and a place where it's nice to have you know kind of i guess a third party guy of uh, who has my best interest in mind, who has all the same relationships as, as probably my dad could have. Um, but yeah, I, I think my dad growing up racing on the West Coast, same era-ish as, as Kevin Harvick. Um, they have a lot of respect for each other. And, and before the season last year, before I'd signed with them or anything, I went and talked to to Harvick at his house just about you know, what I was getting myself into in the Cup Series, like anything, any tips at all, right, that, that he could give me to get me off to a good start. I thought that was really, really cool of him to take that time to do. And um, yeah, Josh Jones, everybody at, at KHI has, has done a really good job. Honestly, that was um, the coolest part about when I found out I wasn't going to be racing every race at front row that, you know, they were on it right away of, of trying to figure out what I was going to be able to do during those races to, to better myself. Um, you know, the Rick Ware deal came together, but honestly they were working day and night from as soon as I found that out to, to be in some type of car uh, on those weekends. And I guess that's the, the best thing, right? Just they have the relationships in the garage to, to make that kind of stuff happen. What, uh, what kind of advice did Kevin give you before you got your feet wet in the cup series? He's a good man to pick his brain. Yeah, that's for sure. I, uh, man, there's a lot. He just, you know, it's going to be tough. There's going to be days where, you know, 
you're just run bad and and it's just is what it is right you're gonna have to get through those days um he said there's days i run bad there's gonna be days you run bad i think that was the coolest part for me it was just you know he's one of those guys that really does just grind it out right i think um one year he had no dnfs or, or something like that just recently and um it's those kind of stats to me that are really cool to see in a person that um you just don't give up, right? There's there's no 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 way to quit. Uh, you know, the only way you're going to lose is if you quit. So um, that that's the the type of mentality that, that he told me to have. And um, sure, we're going to have run-ins out there. You race these guys 36 times a week or 36 times a year, and um, you know, just uh, just keep uh, chugging along. So this means you're going to drive the four car next year, right? <laughs> All right. That. Uh, that's all. It's lots of stuff moving around, but oh, yeah. uh, no, I don't uh, don't think so. All right, breaking news: Todd Gillen definitely driving the four car next year. You heard it here first. <laughs> Joking, obviously. Um, all right, let's chat about your crew chief Ryan Bergenti. Uh, he seems to have taken it really well. This jump up to the Cup Series. He has been in Cup before, not as a crew chief, but he has won races, been on big race teams, just like front row. It seems like you guys share a lot of commonalities and have shared common background, common interests, and he really has been a good leader of this team. You know, in the interviews that I've seen and things that I've read, it seems like he really is able to rally the troops and get behind you and give you some confidence in yourself to get the job done behind the wheel. Just what has it been like with him in your ear atop the war wagon every single week and him leading this team? Yeah, I think um, I think it's a driver crew relationship that uh, definitely never had before. I think um, you no, know, it's interesting. He, he's really tough on me, and it almost allows me to be you know tough on him back. Um, and like I said, I think that's really how we've raised the level of, of our whole team, right? Everyone, you know, I do something wrong, he lets me know, and I feel like I can do the same. Um, so that's just the that's the really cool part, just being really open, but really keeping you know, pushing each other to, to have really high standards of, of the way we do things um, along the way. So that's been the, the cool part for me. And, and yeah, like you said, I don't think I've ever had a crew chief that is as much of a more, I, I would say, a natural leader like Ryan is just, you know, when he gets in front of a, a group of people, um, you know, he's going to be the one that talks. He's going to be the one that, you know, tries to bring everyone together. So um, that's really cool, especially you know, in the Cup Series. It's you got a lot of guys, you know, a pit crew that's that's relying on you guys to, to have a fast car. Um, you know, seven, eight guys that travel with us just as much, right? Thirty six times a week, thirty six times a year that um, that need to to be, you know, brought in the right direction. So to me, that's been really cool to to be a part of that. You said thirty six times a week twice now. Are you racing a lot? Are you I, racing I, that I, much I at Millbridge, man? Jesus. Oh, I'm, yeah, that's, that's bad. Two questions in a row. That, that's on me. <laughs> I'm just pulling your leg. Uh, so I also read somewhere that Ryan said he literally took a saw, sawzall and cut the wall down in the shop between the 34 and the 38 group. Is this true? <laughs> yes. I came in one random day and, um, in the off season last year and there's this just jagged, like, hole in the wall like it's a square right it's from the ceiling the carpet's ripped up so you could get like to the bottom of the wall and it's just like drywall hanging out and it um i was like because well, so we were working alongside ryan last year and I, I could see just the level of work he was doing right i think he was um it takes everything to be fast but i think he was you know a big part of 34's speed last year 
Um, and I just loved like how he, how he does stuff, right. Which I'm getting to know more and more this year, but, um, that was just such a Ryan thing to do. <laughs> His job at the, uh, at the, uh, at the time was going to be to like manage the both teams together, like production, how we left to the racetrack. Uh, and his number one task was to get everyone working together. So um, I guess that was his first first move was to rip down the wall, make one big office instead of uh, of two separate offices. And um, yeah, it's it's still there. It's it's just one big office now. And uh, they've since cleaned it up a little bit. They've kind of sealed say, it yeah. up and and done a little bit better job. But it uh, it's really cool. I think that just really shows shows who he is. Right, it's bringing uh making every making everybody work together. I was gonna say if there's still just random drywall hanging out and holes in the in the floor, that's probably not safe or great. So I'm glad that things were uh, cleaned up there. That, that seems again from what I've seen and read and heard from Ryan, it just kind of seems like a microcosm of who he is. Um, he talks about going lion mode. I'm curious if uh, you're familiar with that tactic and if you can explain to me and everybody else what going lion mode means because I've heard Ryan talk about that a few times. Oh yeah. That's like, that's his thing right now is, uh, <laughs> you know, I guess when anyone sees a lion, right. It's, that's the king of the jungle. It's, that's the guy you, you want to be. So, yeah. um, that's him. He sends me all these motivational videos. I, I think, um, it's really funny. I, I just love that, that he's trying to do everything he can. Right. I think, um, it takes all of that and, um, yeah, that's his thing, right. We want to walk in and, and be the lion, the, the king of the jungle. So, uh, that's, uh, that's our, our goal is to one day be that you guys got to grow, uh, you guys got to grow some beards and you can have real lion manes. Dude, that's a good idea. He's, he's usually have a full beard. He got a mustache just, uh, for Darlington. So I'll tell him he needs to grow his beard. To, and he, he's actually bald too. So maybe he could grow his lot as like hair out too. That'd be cool. That'd be good. That'd be good. You can thank that for me later. I'll take 10% off the top. I'll get it from you this weekend at Wilkesboro. Moving on. Uh, I want to chat about you and your friend Harrison, uh, this new YouTube series that NASCAR is putting out. It's been pretty cool to watch. Um, I watched, in preparation for this interview, the latest episode when you guys rode horses on Harrison's mom's property. I've known you for a handful of years, Todd. I don't think I have ever seen you that scared, uncomfortable. I'm proud of you for doing it, but you seem very, very on edge, my friend, getting on that horse. That's probably the most uncomfortable I've been doing something in a long time. Maybe ever, like you said. So my sister grew up riding horses also. So I spent a lot of time like around animals, but it's just not my thing. I, I don't, uh, you know, feed them, picking up poop. That's just not for me. So um, I haven't been spending much time around them lately. Um, Harrison definitely looked more natural on that, but it, it's really yeah. cool that NASCAR is letting us do that. Um, put it out there on their YouTube, hopefully getting some more fans. And um, we still have a lot of fun stuff coming up with that too. Hopefully I think they will be more fun than riding a horse. That's just, gosh, not my deal, but I'm happy we got through that one. Like you said. I think, uh, I think without Kim Harrison's mom, you would have, you would have not made it on that horse. She, she was there with you. Well, so, but, so that's what moms do, but like you, you were struggling big time. I wish they would have shown all the different times. Like I was feeling semi-confident when we showed up, that was going to be fine. <laughs> And then she's like, she had to ride the horse because she started saying like, you're super nervous. You're going to make the horse nervous. Yeah. And then she got like really nervous. The thing was going to buck me off, which only made everything worse. So <laughs> it was just a snowball of, of nervousness that, that it was just going to go bad. But luckily everything went good. 
And like you said, I mean, you got to take care of him. You got to feed him. You got to scoop the poop. You and Harrison scooped a lot of that poop, and you got beers afterwards. I think that that was uh, that was a well-deserved brewski, my friend, because that ain't for me. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I, it didn't turn me into a beer guy. More of a seltzer guy. But Fair. you know what? It was well deserved, nonetheless. What's your What's your favorite uh, flavor of White Claw or Truly or whatever seltzer you like? Hmm. I don't know. I I don't really. I don't really mind any of the flavors. I feel like some people are like so picky about all yeah. that stuff. I don't know. I like the lime one. I guess pretty good. Just I don't. Refreshing. I don't mind any of them either. Like I had I had people over here this weekend and I had two raspberry white claws left and my friend was like, "Ugh, I'm not drinking that." I'm like, it's free white claw. Just take it. Anyways, um, you also went golfing with Harrison. Uh, that looked very fun. How's your golf game these days? How often do you playing? My golf game is improving for sure. It, um, <laughs> it's Harrison's hit and miss, very hit and miss. Like, it's <laughs> interesting, but yeah. So, what's fun though, we're, we started out the same, and I, I'd say I'm a little bit better than him right now. So, uh, he's thinking about going to get lessons and everything to catch up. So, we'll, we'll see how that goes for him. But I love it. It's just a nice, relaxing way to get, um, I guess kind of unplugged for a little bit and um it's just still a mental game for sure it uh it's tough but it uh like i said it's been fun it seems like one of those things where like last couple of years ago we were go-karting all the time now i just have two go-karts that are sitting in my garage that i never do <laughs> and of course on the golf all of a sudden like going all yeah. the time um it's a lot of fun it's just it's just phases the nascar garage just goes through these phases you're in go-karts now you're in golf i bet you pickleball is probably going to be next Dude, I hear pickleballs on the way up, but yeah, man, I don't know if I'm athletic enough, but we'll give it a try. That's back to the horses for a minute. That's another thing. Like, how tall are you? You're over six foot, right? Like six three, yeah. Yeah. So I, I don't think that there's many six foot three guys getting on the back of a horse. You watch the Kentucky Derby; these jockeys are like as tall as Tyler Reddick and Justin Allgaier, right? Like, there's no tall guys that are on the back of those horses. So you just you looked unnatural. I looked horrible on top of the horse. I don't, I, the thing looked so big. I thought I was going to look fine on it. And then it just turns out my feet looked like they could have almost touched the ground. And I used a step stool to get up. It's, it was just embarrassing, but I, I use a step stool big, sitting next to it. Yeah. Oh man. Jeez. Well, I, I would pay to see some of those outtakes because whatever made the final cut, that was pretty good. And I'm sure that there was a lot left on the cutting room floor. And like you said, they may have given you a bad edit, so you can blame the editors. <laughs> that's funny that uh oh I, I don't know i'm sure there's worse than that so i'm, I'm happy with how, how it all is uh i need some clarification on one thing that i also saw in that video do you cut your own hair i do yeah well so my haircut just now i got it cut at sports clips but okay. majority of the time i cut my own hair i just get some clippers with like a guard on it and just go to town just Try and uh, try and figure it out. Try and make it as straight as possible. The back is kind of tricky to do by myself, but yeah, it. Um, I've got a decent system down, so I guess I always say the back. I'm not too worried about it because I can't see it anyway, so it's no biggie. <laughs> Just let it grow out. You can have a mullet and a lion's mane. <laughs> yeah, I don't. Uh, Marissa is not a fan of long hair at all, so okay. I got to. Uh, Just she lets me know when it's getting too long, and boom, I'm back to cutting it. I was going to say, does Marissa, she's cool with you cutting your own hair? Like, she doesn't tell you to go to sport clips or get somebody professional to do it. She's cool with you just doing it yourself? 
uh, I think she's became more cool with it, but she definitely just tells me, just why don't you just go get it cut somewhere? Like, yeah, there's no reason not to. But uh, just, I told her we're, we're saving money. I'm gonna save up for something eventually with all my haircut savings. I'm gonna do. Well, you're not saving up for a ring because you're married, my friend. That's a good segue right there. Um, congratulations, belated congratulations on that. I know you guys got married over the off season. It looked amazing. Uh, was it in the Bahamas? Do I have that right? Yep. Yeah, we got married in January um, on Harbor Island in the Bahamas. So that was definitely a lot of a lot of fun. It was, um, like you said, smaller wedding. We had all our friends and uh, a lot of family there. So, um, but yeah, it's it's cool when you have a destination wedding. I feel like it's just you know it's cool that people come to your wedding anyway. But the people who made all the effort to come all the way down there, I feel like um, that was really really special. Um, us and our friends were down there for like almost a week. So I think those are all memories and good times that, that we'll never forget. And um, yeah, I think it all, all went really good. It was a little bit windy on our wedding day, but um, other than that, it, uh, like I said, memories, the the fun we had there is uh, I definitely wouldn't trade it for anything. Yeah. It looked a lot, looked like a lot of fun. Um, happy for you guys. And obviously Marissa's dad, Eric Holmes, he obviously has been in racing for a long, long time too just from like a, a relationship standpoint, right? I know that people that get together in racing, it just kind of works if you know what the racing world is about and what motorsports is all about. And you and Marissa have been together forever, obviously. Her dad's been in it for his whole life, basically. So she knew what she was getting into and she was getting with a race car driver and marrying one. So it's not like he can pull a fast one on her and say, well, I'm traveling 36 weeks a year. I got all this racing. So let me cut my own hair. She understands the little things, Todd, which is a big deal. <laughs> right yeah it uh she definitely understands them most of the time she uh i'm very thankful that that she likes traveling she goes in like almost all the races so yeah. um that's cool like like you said we get to to go see everything together and uh and check it all out so that's uh it's a tough sport like any any sport i would say it's nice to have that built-in um support system along the way for sure definitely all right i'll let you go i want to tie it back into racing for a final question or two we're halfway through the regular season right now, heading into North Wilkesboro Speedway this weekend for the All-Star Race. You're going to try to race your way in in the open with 13 races to go to try to maybe get that playoff spot. Is that what you guys are looking at, a potential playoff berth? Like, What are the goals and expectations for you guys for the next 13 weeks? Yeah, I think, I mean, I think for me, there's still a lot, lot of stuff that we can improve on. Um, you know, that isn't just, you know, if we don't make the playoffs, our, our year's a bust, right? I, I think what we've done this far has made me just super excited for the rest of the year. I think there's no reason we can't continue to compete, um, you know, right up there, top 15, top 10, majority of the weeks. Um, you know, I think we're close to Michael on points. I think that's another thing for me that, that we need to keep up is, um, you know, he sets a really good pace and, and standard for, you know, points throughout the season, um, maximizing the finishes and, and getting all that stuff when he can. So I think that's cool that, that we're close to him. I think, um, I mean, honestly, 22nd in points, I think 16th or whatever it is to, to make the playoffs is pretty far out of reach. But, um, you know, there's still a lot of races coming up that I think we can really compete at um, a couple more super speedways. So, um, yeah, I think think there's a chance that you know we can go out there and um and get a win but i think for me it's more about just continuing to be consistent and, and growing uh what we have here and, and just being fast every week gotcha 
Um, last thing uh, about North Wilkesboro. I was not born the last time the Cup Series raced there, which means you definitely weren't born because you're a youngin'. You're younger than me. Just the fact that, you know, it's back, it's revived, all the work that Dale Jr., Marcus Smith, everybody did to get it back to this point. It's just really, really cool to see. What are the feelings for you, somebody who has never raced there, has never seen a race there in, in terms of a NASCAR sense? Like, did you hear stories from your dad back in the day about it? What do you feel about going back to such a historic venue for the All-Star Race this weekend? Yeah, I think first off, like you said, just um, seeing the, all the work that that they've done. And, and honestly, it's incredible to see the pictures of, I guess, when Dale Jr. and those guys went out there to clean up the racetrack just to get it scanned on iRacing, yeah. which seemed like, you know, at, at least we're doing this because we'll probably never never see it back to, to how it was. But I think to see what the, the work they've done to, to get it back to how it is now, like I said, it's incredible. Um, it's a feat to get the Cup Series at, at anywhere. I think it is, a, you know, probably a perfect place for the for the All Star Race. Nice and close to home, uh, and just a really cool racetrack. So, um, you know, we'll see how it is. I've been keeping up with all the late model races there this week. It seems like a, a really packed week leading up to the the All Star Race on Sunday. So, um, yeah, hopefully it all goes good. I, I think, you know, for me, I'm still trying to learn a lot about the history of it all. Um, like you said, just not having much experience around it, but. Um, I think it'll be a really cool, really cool race for us. I know I'm getting way ahead of myself, but if you win the million dollars, will you get normal haircuts? Probably not. No, that, that's <laughs> definitely not not in the cards. If I got a million dollars from running this all-star race, I'll, I'll probably cut my own hair on Monday just to prove a point. I think uh, that, that's going to be my move. Race car drivers, they're so stubborn. I appreciate you, Todd. Thanks for carving out some time, my friend. We'll see you this weekend in Wilkesboro, okay? Awesome. Sounds good. Thank you. And we are back. Thank you so much to Todd for carving out the time. A busy week heading into Wilkesboro. And, of course, Alex Minton of Front Row Motorsports for helping coordinate that conversation on pretty short notice. So I appreciate both of you guys for making it happen. Hopefully we'll see Todd transfer from the Open into the All-Star main event or win the fan vote. Uh, and maybe he gets a shot at a million bucks and then he'll still be cutting his hair on Monday. Real quick, want to chit-chat about the lady in black, the track too tough to tame, Darlington Raceway. Ross Chastain, even though William Byron won the race, Ross is the one that's in the headlines uh, again, per usual, right? It just seems like every week there's something that's going on, right? Uh, the, the Truex thing at the end of the second stage, that was not on Ross at all. But the late race restart shenanigans when Larson kind of ran him up into the fence, that was on Larson, sure, but he did it without wrecking anybody. And then Ross tries to do the same thing that he got done to him, to Larson. And unfortunately for both of them, it did not end as uh, as swimmingly as it did the first time when Larson did it to him. One car crashes, five car crashes, five car T-bones, pile drives him all the way down the backstretch. It's, it's just same song, different dance, right? Same thing, different week, different track. And um, I think it may have come to a head given Rick Hendricks' comments in the media center after the race, basically saying, you know, it's an eye for an eye. He can't be doing this. I don't care that he's a Chevy. Uh, Justin Marks, who comes on our air on Sirius XM every week and unabashedly in the past has basically said, that's Ross being Ross. We love him for it. That's why we signed him to a multi-year extension. That's why we have sponsors coming out the wazoo, wanting to be a part of this race team, be a part of Ross Chastain's story. Kind of changed his tune a little bit this week, basically saying, he has some stuff to clean up, and we are going to be a little bit more aggressive in making sure that he does clean those things up. And 
Ross was quoted uh, at North Wilkesboro earlier this week in preparation for the Cars Tour race, basically saying, I make those decisions. I have to live with those decisions for the rest of my life. Kind of uh, morbid if you ask me. But point is, the guy just keeps doing it. And I've said on this show before, I've said it on Sirius, I'll say it again. He does not get the benefit of the doubt because he does not deserve the benefit of the doubt. I think Ross Chastain's awesome. I'd love to have him on the show. Uh, I've gone way back with him. Maybe he has been on the show. I don't remember. But I was chatting with him back in the JD days. We talked about this last week with Philip Smalley at length, who was great, by the way. If, if you haven't checked that out, please go do it. Ross is Ross. And he's not going to change the fabric of who he is. He might change the way that he races. He might change the way that he goes about being aggressive on the racetrack. But that's still in him. And for, for lack of a better term, as the kids are saying, he's got that dog in him, right? And Noah Gregson had the dog in him enough to go try to fight him. And then Ross said, no, I got that dog in me and punched him in the face. So I don't think that you're going to see this happen every single week from now on because Justin Marks is kind of stepping in and saying, hold on here, let's let's take a breath. But at the same time, you got to be careful with how much you pull the reins back because it's working, right? The man finished second in the championship last year. The man won twice last year. The man is leading the point standings this year. So it's not all bad. It's not terrible what's happening. Now, you could argue the result is not great because finishing 29th when you had a race-winning car, you can't have that every single week. But Ross is capable of so much more, and I think that's kind of what the point of what Justin was trying to tell Dave, and I think it came across, was is that we love him for who he is. He just needs to be reined in a little bit and have that aggressiveness basically shifted a little bit. Instead of just trying to wreck somebody for the win or being a little bit overzealous, look at the big picture, pull the reins back. He can still be aggressive, but just don't cross that line because the line is what he is walking on right now, and he has fallen off of it a couple times and crossed the line. So that's the thing. You can tow the line. You can, you can go over it occasionally, but when you go over it every single week, you're not going to get the benefit of the doubt you're not going to get respect from your competitors, and you're not going to get the race fans on your side. Most of them, at least, in my opinion. So what Ross is doing is fine. He's just got to understand the repercussions from it. I think he does, and I think that if he's able to clean it up just a little bit, the best, obviously, will be yet to come. All right, uh, buried the lead, obviously. William Byron wins the race in that Jeff Gordon, Exalta, DuPont, uh, gold, chrome, color, paint, uh, throwback car. That was pretty cool to see. Kevin Harvick comes home in second place, and Chase Elliott, woe is me, finishes in third place. Pretty good race, I would say. The first stage was kind of a snoozer. Truex dominated it. Second one was a little bit better, and the third one, action heated up. Everybody started wrecking. Everybody started spinning. Ross lost his mind, and uh, it was a pretty good race all in all when it was said and done. So that's throwback weekend over and in the rearview mirror. Next up is a trip to North Wilkesboro Speedway. Can you believe it, party people? We are here, and we are going to be racing at North Wilkesboro Speedway. It's pretty incredible, the fact that this is actually happening. Siri just turned on. Turn off, Siri. Thank you. Um, and that didn't wake her up either. Thanks. Um, I, I cannot wait to get back down there. Not back down there. I cannot wait to get down there. Uh, I know that this is an absolutely selfish and incorrect take, but when North Wilkesboro is in a state of disrepair, and it was dilapidated, it was old, it was just, you know, crumbling, literally. I always said that I wanted to get down there and see it, 
and kind of pay my respects, so to speak. I am so pissed off at myself that I did not do that because I really just wanted to see it and feel it and all the eeriness that comes along with it. I never was able to do that from 1996 to 2018 or 19, whenever they started kind of the restoration process. Now, again, I will say that that's a cold take because everybody should be so thrilled and so excited and so happy and so overjoyed as I am that it's back. And we're going to be racing there this weekend with Cup Series cars in a competitive race on the same surface that they raced on in 1996 with, I think, the same bleachers, the same grandstands, the same everything for the most part. All that SMI and Marcus Smith have done is kind of just freshen things up that needed to be freshened up. Listen to a couple interviews that he's done, not just about Wilkesboro, but in general, Tickets, traffic, and toilets. Those are the three T's that he tries to hit on because that's what kind of Bruton instilled in him. Tickets, not going to be a problem. That place is going to be sold out, packed to the gills. Traffic, that's going to be a problem. And uh, I will echo everything that the folks at Charlotte, Scott Cooper, and SMI have said. If you can carpool, do it. If you can't, pack your patience, as Mike and Pete have been saying on TMD. I'm going to try to do that the best I can and arrive early use ways um just pack your patience is the main thing i'm gonna try to get there early as hail though and toilets that's another thing they've probably just freshened up the bathrooms a little bit but they haven't removed the essence of what this place is which is historic which is old this is this is wrigley park this is fenway park this is ebbets field this is the field of dreams game for nascar only thing is, this isn't in a cornfield. This is in a racetrack and at a place that nobody realistically in their right mind believed would ever get back to this point. And you got to you gotta say good job to Dale Jr., Marcus Smith, Steve Myers, everybody at iRacing, and everybody that went out to weed eat the racetrack on that cold, rainy day in the fall a few years back. Without them, without that, we're not here this weekend. And I think the fact that we are is just beyond badass and everybody that had a hand in it really really needs to be applauded when i get on the property later this week i'm gonna have goosebumps and even though i never saw a race there i've never stepped foot in wilkes county north carolina i was not born the last time that cup raced at north wilkesboro speedway i am going to appreciate it for what it is which is insanely rare and absolutely historical i cannot wait for the all-star race That'll wrap things up today for episode 185 of Victory Lane 2.0. If you guys like what you heard here today, please do me a favor. Leave a rating and a review. You can subscribe to the podcast. It's available on Apple, Google, SoundCloud, the Green app, anywhere you get your podcast. We should be available there for your consumption. And if we are not, please drop me a line and I will try to rectify that issue for you. Thanks again to Todd Gillen for coming on. Thank you. For coming on. Thanks to my dad for giving us the way back segment all the way in Athens, Greece. Goodness gracious. We will talk to you guys next week with another guest from the world of NASCAR. Hint, hint, nudge, nudge. He is also a Ford driver and he is also in the Cup Series. Marinate on that one while you wait for it. Thanks, guys. Enjoy North Wilkesboro this weekend. We'll chat with you next time. <laughs>